That's cool. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Into the Night with Sean Kelly on UPRN Radio 105.3 New Orleans. How is everybody today? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm hanging in there. Uh, our last show on Chasing Prophecy, we had Christina George. And it was, it was like one of our best shows ever. I'm not, the lady's lovely. She's awesome. And um, I hope to have her back on our other show again, Chasing Prophecy. Yeah, so that is my other pro- my other show. I'm a co-host with Jenny Nicasio and John Ventry on Chasing Prophecy. And that comes on 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And, dude, I'm telling you what, Matt, when <laughs> when it comes down to numbers and times like that, my brain goes nuts. It's like, mm-hmm. that's why you see me, like, can't you see it, like, going in my brain and shit? Like that? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I'm the same way. Figure out. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, I want to I wanna get the show started right now. Um, I have my dear friend, Matt uh, Barron, and, uh, oh. Daniel son of week. Who's Daniel? I don't know Daniel. But um on those that he's I was on his show last night and uh we had a great time. It, it was good. I enjoyed talking with him. Um I for, believe it or not, dude, I forgot the name of your show. No, so, that's all right. Uh, that's, that's right. That's Sometimes I forget. I, I forget what day oh, it is I'm, half the time, so it's all good. <laughs> but, it um, seems last... like for all the times that I'm I'm working. I, I, I've been working a lot, and it just seems like the days just run together. Do you know what I mean? Uh, oh yeah, oh really yeah, really insane. But um, I was on his show last night, and he had me as a guest, and we had a good time. Um, mm-hmm. And found out we have a lot of things that are in common, you know, between us. So, you know, I I really believe that there is no such thing as coincidences. Everything happens for a reason. This gentleman that I have as my guest, Matt, uh, we met in last October. Uh, Drake Bowman, he was with the Oakmont Paranormal Society, was doing a little event at uh, Car- Andrew Carnegie Library over in Homestead. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was out there, you know, puffing on my thing here, you know, <laughs> and he decided to come out and have a cigarette. And we were like just starting to chat. And it, it, it just seemed to form, and yep. I'm excited that he was on my show, and tonight, and I, 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 again, I'm, I was very happy that I was on your show. And so, no problem. It was, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun, and uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh, thank you. It's an honor. You know, we can go on saying it's an honor, it's an honor, but, you know, yeah. two paranormal <laughs> brothers, you know what I mean? It's a consumed that you can shoot the shit you know what i mean oh yeah and talk and we are on Roku, so i mean we we will behave you know because my stage manager my uh, station manager's probably watching or she's gonna <laughs> see this so we gotta behave and tone it down a little bit but that's okay mm-hmm. um so matt uh i saw that you sent me a bio and it was huge why don't you give my my people um Give them a little background about yourself. So I started in the paranormal field about 16 years ago. Um, Just like with everybody else, I did have a personal experience uh, when I was younger. Um, And Sean, as you know, here in PA, you can't really, you know, advertise that. It's it's really low key. A lot of Mm -hmm. people uh, push it under the rug. Um, But I started seeing the shows and everything 16 years ago. Um, Short version went out with a couple of friends had another experience and realized there is something to this, that there is something going on. Um, went to go join a team and let's just say we didn't see eye to eye. They were all about money. They were all about profits, making themselves, you know, popular and basically chasing clout. So I left their group and, um, through a course of several events started my own team. It was called San Diego Paranormal Eye. And uh, over the course of several years, did over 400 homes and businesses as far as clients are concerned. Um, Was going out in the field almost every night for years on end. And uh, led me to run 
three different teams. Uh, two out in San Diego, one here in Central Pennsylvania. And yeah, and uh, we got out of the team setting almost, I'd say, almost four years ago and started doing the consultant, the paranormal consultancy. Uh, my wife. I want to touch a little bit more on that tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess the, the short version with that is um, I got to the point of running a team here where the team and was more, they had different goals in mind. They wanted to go one direction. I wanted to go another way. And finally, I just said, you know what? If it's going to cause too much of an issue, we're just going to shut it down. So they went and did their own thing. And uh, after a few months, I was going to just kind of just hang it up and just say I, I was done. But, you know, as well as I do, we said it last night on the show. It's it gets it's addicting. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the field is addicting. It's a passion. And I was uh, talking to my wife about it. And I said, you know, I, I just wish there was something I could do to help. I, I want to help teams and groups, but not have to worry about the drama. And all, all the other issues. And she goes, what, like a consultant? And I went, a para- paranormal consultant. And it just it just fit. It just had that nice ring to it. So right. I started doing that. And I said, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Let's start this venture. And it, originally, it was going to be just a couple of YouTube videos, like how-to videos. Mm-hmm. Um, but... While I was doing one of my videos, um, I met an individual named Scott Morton. Uh, you know Scott uh, from Warren Area Society of Paranormal. Um, I met him, and he got in contact with me, and he said, listen, he goes, you have something here. He said, I see something in this. He goes, "It's your personality, everything about you. He goes, the way you talk to people, the way you talk to the audience, he goes, you can do a show. So... I said, well, I don't, I don't know what, what I would do. He goes, reach out. He goes, just reach out, network, start meeting with teams, hang out with teams, talk to them, <clears throat> excuse me, and take this consultancy to the next level. And he really motivated me. So mm-hmm. a couple months later, I, I decided, okay, I was going to start what started out as the Paracast. And it, it, that went on for, I had the Paracast for a couple months, and then I met um, – my two co well two out of my four co-hosts that i have for my show the paracrew podcast we we decided we found out that there was another group out there that had the paracast and we didn't want to step on any toes or cause any things so we just changed the name to the paracrew podcast which it is now and uh since then uh er almost every week we've had a show and that has been almost two years ago Mm mm-hmm uh, that's been going on, and we uh, we started out with just one show a week. It was all it was Friday nights at nine, and I just kept getting requests to be get you know to have guests on. People were like, "I want to come on, I want to come on," and uh, people were basically requesting me to to open up a second a second show. Mm-hmm. So we opened another time slot on Wednesdays, and then yeah, it just it's been growing exponentially since then. Well, this the the show, this Paracast that you're mm-hmm. talking about with your three other co-hosts. Or, um, what have you actually learned from you doing the two shows with with your guests? What have you actually learned? Well, I think the the most the the thing that stands out the most to me is that this field like we stated is full of a lot of ego. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of issues, Mm -hmm. but that being said, there is even a greater number of people who want it to stop. There is people out there. There's a lot of people out there who want the growth and who want to network with people. And that number outweighs the, the egos and everything else. So, um, there's a lot of like-minded individuals, and it's been such a blessing to get a chance to speak with these people and work with these people and network with them. And it's really humbling, and it's really uh, fun to get a chance to talk with teams who, until they, you know, you get them on the show and you start talking with them, 
they actually have a chance to network and reach out. They're not just trapped in one localized area. They're, you know, you get out there, you promote them, and you know, it might be a difference of having five people see them and five hundred see them. Right. You know, and for a team that just starts out, who's new to the field, they've got resources that uh, when I started, never, never had. I, right. I didn't have that network. Neither did I. No. Um, I remember what was it? My first investigation that we did was a cemetery. It was rest, Restland Cemetery. Hmm. And for, and the backstory behind Restland was there's a ghost out there. Her name is Walking Rosie. Long story short, you know, a bunch of kids who were drunk came into the cemetery and they tore her headstone off. And, oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, and they threw it over the hill. And so the the legend is that she walked around the cemetery looking for her headstone. Mm. Um, I have definitely seen her uh, many times. But starting off back in 2006, it was real hard because there was really nowhere to go. Except, yeah. I mean, I remember we did wrestling for like five, six weeks in a row on Saturday. <laughs> They, they were pretty cool with it and then found out about Bloomis Road and other places and 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 it just took off from now. But no, at the time, and I understand where you're coming from because we, we, we I didn't have no help. You didn't have no help. And we just winged it. You know yep. what I mean? We, we just winged it. But yep. with it being obsession, yeah, um, it, it definitely, it definitely was. And uh, <laughs> I'm kind of glad now that I retired and all my people out there know that I retired now. Um, I kind of like want to help other paranormal groups. I don't want to form no groups. I just want to yep. help them out and they're more than willing to come. So that's why I give you a bunch of kudos. And I'm glad there's another person out there that, you know, has the same things, you know, same ideas as I do. So back to your uh, consultant work. Um, yeah. I'm a brand new group to start now. I come to you for help. So what is your basic steps on helping my group out? So the first thing I always tell any group, whether it's a brand new group or a group um, that wants to rebuild, is first set a goal in mind. Because to me and to many others there are two different types of teams there are ghost hunting teams and then there's an investigative team a ghost hunting team to to myself and many others are just like the weekend warrior if you will mm -hmm. they just go out they want to get footage they want to get evidence they want to have fun you know and it, it is a hobby and it's just it is what it is it's a lot of fun the investigative side are the ones who you see, get all the equipment who go out to help clients who, you know, go to these locations to really dive in and investigate into our field. And it's, it's just that it's investigating. And it, you first got to figure out what do you want to do? What is your goal for your team? Um, that's the first step. The second step is what size of a team are you looking for? Because there's certain teams out there that have a team of three or four, um, and then there's some like uh, my San Diego team. We had 47 investigators at one point. That's uh, too many. Too many. Well, we, and that's the thing. We needed it. <laughs> we needed it. We yeah. were getting, um, you know, when you have a weekend of seven or eight clients that all need help because, of course, they all need it immediately. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, you got it, it. Just need it was needed at that point. So. Sure. The recruiting so you get to that you get to that level and find out you know what size group works for you and a lot of teams and groups they they don't know they don't know the the right size and it takes time and effort you know you just got to find your right fit and then it's just a matter of coaching you know what kind of equipment you know are you looking at the more metaphysical side of it are you looking at the more scientific based are you looking for a balanced one are you you know and it's just step by step and then it's and then what I will do is I will actually work with the team um, either virtually, we'll go on an investigation with them virtually. We're just like on Streamyard here, they will have the camera right there and the, during the investigation, we'll walk them through asking questions, looking at the right angles, what to look for, what to listen for, um, you know, and just have fun, but help build them and coach them, and guide yeah. them, and then just let them go. 
Um, that's one thing that I've learned in this field is you can't micromanage paranormal teams. You you can't do it. No. They, that, that, that is no. going to be the biggest downfall. You have to let your investigators be the investigators. You have to let the founders be the founders. But there still has to be some sort of structure. And um, it's tough for a lot of teams. Whether you're, you know, seasoned or you're brand new, it's it's very tough to learn that balance. And without an outside, you know, resource to help you out, it can be devastating. It can break up friendships, um, oh, relationships. I, I, it, it sure did. It broke up a lot of friendships. And, and oh, yeah. I can actually say myself that um, it broke up a lot of a lot of friendships of mine. Mm -hmm. You know, but then again, I get back to where everything happens for a reason so maybe there's a reason why that these people you know things happen you know yeah. um i do not degrade any of my people who have left you know and nope. stuff like that i i just i encourage them the best i can but back um when you were doing when you were working with clients when you were actually going to the house mm -hmm. did you kind of do a walkthrough with them did you like read the email and then call them and do a walkthrough how was that so there was there was certain steps that i did take um the first one was typically a phone interview um i would just talk to them find out what's going on um just to kind of give a an idea of what may or may not be happening um and then I would either, depending on the severity of it, I would uh, meet with them. Like if it was obviously more of the malicious intent, we'll just say it that way. Um, we would meet somewhere like a Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, somewhere public, somewhere away from the property. Because if it isn't an intelligent malicious, obviously you don't want to show your cards right away. Um, well, they, they already know you're coming. So exactly. It, for me, it was just one of those. I didn't want to set myself up, and I wanted to give. Right. I wanted to give my clients a, an outside area to sit and relax, outside property, so we can talk freely, and not right. have them, you know, scared. Um, but if it was if it was a normal style haunting, like what typically I found, um, we would go into the daytime and do a walkthrough, do a baseline. Mm -hmm. We would do our baselines right there. We would do our interviews right there. Um, and we would start kind of planning out the investigation, camera angles, um, equipment placement, stuff like that. Where was base going to be set up? We always had a base camp, um, that was, you know, where the DVR monitors were. Uh, and uh, we just come up with a basic game plan and talk with the client about it. Then we'd ask if they wanted to be there. Um, some did, some didn't, which is perfectly fine. Right. And then we would set up a day and a time to come investigate, or I should say a night. And mm -hmm. typically all of my investigations were performed at night just because it's not the, the stigma of it. It's just we wanted to take away shadows and everything like that and anything that may be distracting to the investigation. Obviously at night you don't have all the colors and, the sh and everything like that. You don't have that uh, uh, visual distraction. So um, unless, you know, they said oh, it usually happens at one in the afternoon, all the activities one in the afternoon or whatever, then that's something obviously different. But that's typically how that went. And then uh, the night of the investigation, we would show up. Um, we'd stop about a block or two away from the resident and we would just drive around the neighborhood to kind of get a feel for the area. And that's right. whenever the mediums, the sensitives, um, whatever, that's where they would start feeling it out and seeing what you know they're picking up on the area and then we'd go to the house and it was um it was game time so to speak we just go in set up and do our debunking first and then we would hit the metaphysical we do all of our scientific readings and stuff first and then we would hit the metaphysical stuff towards the end of the investigation or halfway through what type of metaphysical um things would you do um well, let's see. Um, in San Diego, I did have a couple of mediums. All my teams are sensitives. Mm -hmm. um, they would have the dowsing rods. They would use pendulums, uh, crystals, um, just anything like that. We tried to stay away from uh, Ouija boards uh, just because we didn't want to freak out a lot of the clients. A lot of clients right. don't understand and they don't look at it as a tool. They see a Ouija board and they, you know, get scared. Um but no, those were ba the basic metaphysical stuff. 
uh, outside of the cleansings or the blessings. You know, we'd have white, black, sage. Um, we have lavender. We have different herbs. We uh, we have different spices. We'd have oils, uh, different minerals and crystals, um, stuff like that. Just we had a, a we had a little bit of everything, okay. just in case. So now I know in my experience, um, at a lot of houses that we did. Uh, the clients um, would have contacted other paranormal groups and they'd come in and they would sage, right? Mm. And um, we would, you know, they'd call me up and it's like, okay, we sage. This group told us to do this. And the priest came in and he saged and blessed the house. And to me, in my experience, I believe that all it was was a band-aid for that certain day. You know what I mean? And yep. that in a couple of days, it would come back, you know, full force, full vengeance on y'all. Yep. So, um, and that's when we were called in. But um, yep. I, ne I need to know if, um, and, and my people out there too, um, what if he did come across an entity um, that was really malicious and really bad and you knew whatever you did wasn't going to work what would you go by well first of all like i tell everybody it's all off a of comfort level if you get into a situation where you are not comfortable you are not confident do not go in don't even attempt it don't even try it you know just back out and find somebody who you know who knows what they're doing who is more confident and comfortable because that's what they right. do um myself i wouldn't do anything unless i was 110 percent for sure and confident it was going to work okay. um if i got myself into a situation um if i mean there's obviously differences and that's something a lot of people miss and a lot of newer teams miss is there's a huge difference between a malicious intelligent uh a malicious just malicious style like a poltergeist activity that's something right. completely different than an intelligent malicious um, and then there's obviously demonics and you know a couple others and they you know we can sit here for hours and talk about the different levels but typically what i have found is either a it is a spirit that has been ignored they just want it they they just want attention right. and they're you know they're lashing out because they want that attention if it is something malicious intelligent that's like uh maybe it's just somebody like you said last night on my show maybe it's it's somebody who doesn't realize they're dead and they they want right. to keep ownership of their house you know you've got to be able to handle you know, talking to these spirits and making, and I don't want to say making them understand, but working with them, but right. actually sitting down and just saying, look, you know, we'll just say the name, John, it's a common name. Say, John, listen, we understand that you think that you own this house. You have passed on. You are not in this realm of existence. You do not own this home anymore. We understand. Right. We apologize, you know, and, you know, there's there's ones where I've seen where they've gone after kids, and sometimes you've got to put yeah, your foot down. That's not good. That's no, not good. No, mm -hmm. and you've got to put your foot down. You've got to tell them you will stop. And it's right. not not provoking. I mean, I, I don't provoke. I'm more of a I'm more of a challenge, but I'm also not afraid to stand up and say you're going to stop. Right. Yeah, there's two ways that this is going to work. You're either going to listen, and we're going to work this out peacefully, or we have the ability and we have the confidence to get rid of you. You will be mm -hmm. out of this house. And it's through prayer, meditation and practice and, you know, research, you know, all that ties in. Now, you know, you do can't... you actually, I'm sorry. No, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, do you actually meditate when you're on an investigation? If you have to go talk to that spirit? Yes. Um, depending on what the client wants I mean, some clients just want you know everything gone um i pray like i'm a christian and i'm an ordained minister um i pray before i leave the house with my team we usually mm -hmm. pray for protection clarity and to kind of i don't want to say tone and down the energy but kind of mellow everybody out and ground everybody um so I pray before we even leave the home or where we're meeting up. I pray whenever we get to location before I even make contact with the client. And then usually for me, 
I pray right before a blessing or a cleansing. Mm -hmm. And then I pray the entire time during. Now, I do my blessings and cleansings a little differently. Um, As you know, if you sit here and you have a malicious or something that's, we'll just say stubborn. For a lack of better yeah. words, okay, yeah, stubborn. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, they will fight back. They, they, they do. You know, lash out. I do all my blessings and cleansings in the home by myself. Right. And this is at the end of the investigation, and usually my team and the clients are outside. The client has already taken ownership of the home. I've already, we've already sat down with them and told them you are going to tell these spirits. You know, listen, you, you've got to take ownership of this house. You know, this is after all that, but I turn off all the cameras, I turn off all the audio recorders, and it's just me and that spirit that's there. And I go through the house and I pray for not just the spirit, but I pray for the the homeowners, their families, anyone who enters the home. Um, And I just pray for, you know, guidance, forgiveness. And then at the end of it, I say the Lord's Prayer, and that's how I close out and everything Mm -hmm. stops. That and is then really totally cool. And well, my thought is, is I, you know, I put everything, you know, these, these homeowners, they, they use all their energy to deal with this because we're there for a couple hours. They live with this. They've been dealing with so much and they've given it their all. So why shouldn't I, why shouldn't I give it my all to, to help these people out? So that's, so I, I leave nothing on the table when, when we're done. And, um, Everything I've done through my faith and my belief and my practices has had, a, I'd say, about a ninety-seven percent success rate, awesome. and it's, it's it's almost been immediate. Like I've had the homeowners come in and say, "This doesn't even feel like my house. This feels so different," and it it sticks, it stays. Well, whenever I would do clearing in in the house, uh, mine's totally different. Um, that's for another show. Uh, um, <laughs> mine's not orthodox, but it works. You know, I work with my animal spirit totems, and I work with my angels. You know, that's what mm. I do. But um, what I have noticed was, whenever I go into an investigation, okay, uh, you first walk in and you and, and just look at the lights, how dim they are, how there's just like this negative energy that surrounds the whole house. Mm-hmm. But after it's all said and done, you turn the lights on, and it's as bright as bright as can be. Yep. You know what I mean? And and yep. And a lot a lot of the people, even some of my members, my group members, and the people who own the house are just like, wow, wow. This <laughs> ain't like you said. It's not the house. But yep. um, I have noticed too that, and I want to. No, if you have experienced this, was um, there's a lot of clients that want the ghost in the house. Yep. <laughs> okay. And I said, <laughs> had a couple. And I tried something. And I said, you know, I I told the client, I said, you know, I'm not. I'm just going to try this because I never did. And I actually sat down and, and made a deal with the ghost. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you can haunt the shit out of this house till about 10 o'clock at night. And then yep. after 10 o'clock, they don't haunt. And yep. they usually hold on to that deal. You know what I mean? It's just, and I have noticed, too, you know, uh, some investment. I'm wondering if this happens to you, that there are sometimes that ghost will, you know, drive the client crazy. By moving things and mm-hmm. you know all kinds of, but not hurt them, but make themselves known. But yeah. actually, what they're trying to do is, all right, so we're going to drive this this client crazy, and that means they're going to have to call my group or your group just mm-hmm. to get your group there in order to a let them speak what they need to be spoken about, and b just like hey, I, I want to go to the light. Or something like that. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, you know what? Oddly enough, almost every time, almost every okay. time. And what I usually tell uh, each one of my clients is typically these spirits, they have their own agenda, first of all. And the way I explain it is 
you know, think of a five-year-old kid. If you ignore that kid, what are they going to do? They're going to start throwing stuff. They're going to start banging things. They're going to start opening doors, slamming them. They're going to move stuff. They're going to try to everything they can to get your attention. Mm-hmm. That's what these spirits are doing. And I said, when, when they get frustrated, it's, they built up that energy. They get frustrated and angry. And, and typically they just want, like you said, they just have a message. They have a message or they have something that they want to relay. There's obviously something that is bothering these spirits, you know, enough to do this. And that's typically what we find. Um, And nine times out of 10, it's either a loved one or a family friend, whatever, um, who has passed on. And they just want, you you know, the clients are holding on to that thought and they can't, you know, stop the mourning process. It's just a continuation. They just are holding on to that to that thought process and the spirit sees this it sees that these clients are that upset and they don't want to leave them i mean i wouldn't you know if i saw my loved ones holding on to me when i passed on i want to stay with them i don't i don't want them. oh absolutely yeah so and that's that's part again of the process of the investigation if if that's something that's happened and it's you know i stated earlier about the interview process that's something I ask. I said in the past six to eight months or even in the past year, has somebody you know recently passed on? You know, is it a family member, a friend? And some people don't even think about that. They're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, my, you know, a buddy of mine passed away. He, you know, he had a heart attack, you know, four months ago. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's funny because you see the, the wheels start turning. <laughs> And those puzzle pieces starting to fit because we'll get reports of um, ambient smoke, just cigarette smoke, just randomly. None of the family right. smokes. They're like, wait, you know, none of us smoke. And then you ask that question, you know, somebody passed on and they're like, yeah, a friend of mine. Well, did he smoke? Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, that, uh, go ahead. oh, sorry. And, uh, you know, it was questions like that. And then there's, you know, hard hitting questions, you know, and I hate asking them, but, you know, it's part of our job. Right. You know, is there any, you know, abuse, mental abuse, alcohol abuse, sexual abuse is, you know, domestic violence is anything going on, you know, and mm-hmm. you tell the client, you know, it's nothing personal. We're not here to judge or call the cops unless it's something, you know, really bad. Um, but, you know, we, we usually I've never done that yet. Thank, thank God. And I'm hoping I'd never have to, but, um, you ask about this because all of that can tie in, you know, you get somebody who's abusive, that's going to have that negative impact and negative energy. Well, there's a lot of grandparents, like some of the, uh, uh, spirits that I worked with were ghosts. Like I call it no matter what comes out of my mouth, spirit or ghost, spirit or ghost, whatever. So <laughs> that's how I am. So everybody, that, everybody knows on my show that I say spirit <laughs> or ghost, whatever comes out of my mouth. But, you know, especially when it's a young couple and there's a baby involved with the situation. And the first thing that I ask them, I ask them some questions. I said, are you all fighting? Are you all like fighting against each other are you causing a lot of commotion in this house 95 mm-hmm. percent of the time and then the ghost set is like you know not driving the baby crazy but actually protecting the baby yep you know it's either a great grandma or great 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 grandma or grandma or something like that <laughs> you know and so people out there listen we got to tell you you know you might watch these ghost shows or you might see movies that have ghosts and demons and stuff like that i'm telling you they know what you're talking about mm-hmm. they know and i'll tell you a really quick story here i remember i bought a brand new car this was like about 12 13 years ago i bought a brand new car and um we were going to a house that that was definitely it was bad it was bad and um my transmission just went on mm. a brand new car because it knew I was coming. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, people think and what they see on shows, you know, people walking around the TVs, it's a lot different than what you see on TV. And I yep. tell people, it's like, if you can sit in a room where it's pitch black 
talking to something out there that's not there, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. then it is for you. Kyle, well, oh, ahead. sorry, brother. Sorry. Uh, so, so I had the opportunity and privilege to speak with uh, Satori Haas and Cherie Marie from Ghost Hunters. Um, it was such a pleasure. Um, I got a chance to speak to them during one of uh, my live videos with my brother, uh, Brian John Laverty. Um, we spoke about him last night, but yeah. we did a, a special video called Women Investigate 2. It's just, it was a, a big special for a lot of women in the field. For it was mm -hmm. just, that's all our guests were. And by some grace, we got the chance to speak with both these wonderful ladies. And Satori Haas, Jason Haas's daughter, was so down to earth, so relaxed, and so you know, she could have she could have just sat with us any given time of day and just hung right. out. She's that laid back, and I love that about her. And I, she has my utmost respect. But the one thing she said during that interview that really hit home for me, and I, I knew this, but it really didn't set until she said it. These shows, like Ghost Hunters. They go to these locations like Waverly Hills, Eastern State Penitentiary, um, all over. They're there for at least a week or two. Mm -hmm. So you see, you know, you only see a half hour. So the half hour you're seeing are the best of the best, the best right. evidence. You know, you don't see, you know, the days where they go in and nothing happens. And that's happened to myself and many others. We've gone to, oh, yeah. you know, oh, locations. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone to locations that are absolutely notorious for being haunted. They get claimed and nothing's happened. Right. I went to the Queen Mary. I've investigated that. I had the honor to investigate that. Excuse the pun, but it was dead that night. <laughs> we had a couple of AVPs. No, but... I, know, I know what you mean. When, 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 last night's show, you talked about the North Carolina. What was that yeah. like? Oh, that was so. For those of who don't know, and I know Sean, we I didn't we found this out about us last night, but we're Navy men. <laughs> so hey, Holly, excuse me, buddy. Oh, hi, no, no. Holly, how are you? Hi, Holly. Um, Holly has a question for you. Sir. Yeah. What was the scariest case that you have gone to investigate? That's actually a very good question, Holly, and uh, one that I've been asked a lot. Um, Here's the thing for me personally, I don't mean to sound egotistical by any stretch of the imagination. Trust me, I'm not, but not. No, 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 I, no. I personally understand that when I go in these field, this field, when I go out investigating, certain things are going to happen or certain things could happen. I've been pushed, scratched, bitten, had my name yelled in my ear. I've um, channeled before I've basically, uh, had thoughts and feelings that weren't mine. Um, it startled me. But when I go into these investigations, I prepare myself for that. I prepare for worst case scenario because that's what the military trains you for. They train you to, for the worst case scenario. And the paranormal is no different. So there hasn't been an investigation where I've, as I like to call the dude run syndrome from ghost hunters where you, I ran out. I don't do that. I, I, I don't. That's something that I try not to, I try to keep myself grounded. Um, the only case, there's three cases that I've ever backed out of. And I have, like we stated earlier, we got to that point where it's like, nope, we can't, we can't do it. Two of them were what I would call true demonics. And the third one was a potential one. Just because of the danger level that was there. The one we had to get the church involved. I think that was probably when I was at my most cautious. I don't want to say the, the, the scariest, but I was the most cautious. Um, it, mm -hmm. it was borderline. I, I wasn't going to deal with it. I wasn't, it, the, the risk was not worth the reward for me. And, you know, people, I think newer groups and uh, certain people in our field fail to realize that everything we do in this field, when you take on a client, you're not just affecting yourself. You're affecting your team, you're affecting your client, you're affecting the spirits, you're affecting the area. You know, what you're doing has a lasting impression on that location. We are only there for a few hours. These clients have to live there. So you have to know there are repercussions for literally everything you do. 
and even like the library. If we went in there and we started raising all sorts of hell, that could have been that could be very dangerous for yep. you know the patrons. Not to mention, look bad on you know on all of us, but oh, yeah. that could be dangerous. Uh, I hope that answered your question, Holly. And hey, Holly, it's good to see you on here. Thank you for asking that question. Um, Great question. So get back to the North Carolina. So, Please. like I said, with with us being with us being uh, Navy men, um, anytime I get a chance to do, do any type of uh, historical Navy history if you will it's it's a different feeling it's it's very awe-inspiring it's very um you, you basically have that respect it's almost like you're going into a church it's just the the, the yeah. respect that you have that that location demands and the spirits that are there they demand you know they demand your utmost respect so you it's really humbling um but i was in the cbs and if you don't know what the CVs are, it's construction battalion. We don't see ships. We we are dirt sailors. <laughs> and uh, I I love it. I absolutely love it. The big gray floaty things, they can have them. That's <laughs> not me. But uh, <laughs> too, too, too no, close. I'm not going there with you on this. Oh, yeah. But it's all brotherly. It's all brotherly. We, we all love oh, each yeah. other. And uh, – but just going on there, and we went into um, this main mess area. It was like kind of like a meeting area. And as soon as I stepped on the weather deck, it was just it that feeling. It's like okay, I'm here. I'm you know I could just feel the emotions. I feel the the environment. I feel this ship. The energy this ship has. Mm -hmm. And um, I even did the proper way. Got to the top of the gangplank. Saluted the ensign. Ask permission to come aboard. What the end, explain what the ensign is. So, so there is a, a tradition in the Navy that when you board a vessel, and again, I was I never was never on one, I was never stationed on one. So this is what they drill into your head. When you go up the gangplank or the, the walkway, there's a walkway that goes from the shore to the ship. When you walk up, you get to the very top. There's always a flag, the American flag on the front of the, the vessel, in the front of the ship. You salute it, you yeah. drop your salute, you turn to an individual, usually an officer or a petty officer standing right there, you salute them, and you request permission to come on board. So you ask to come on, you have to ask permission. And I was in um, my veteran, I had a uh, U.S. Navy veteran hoodie that I had on, and I had my national defense ribbon on. So I went over, I saluted the ensign, turned, Pop my salute, request for permission to come on board, and I held. I held for a couple seconds, right. and I waited until I got that feeling. Okay, you can come on. And then mm -hmm. at the very end, you do the same as you leave. You salute, salute the ensign, respectfully request permission to go aboard ashore. Uh, blah blah blah. And I did all that. As soon as I dropped that salute when I asked to come aboard, that feeling was just oh. It, it's yeah. different. It's 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 uh, it's energizing. It's it's uh, again addicting. And then just going down the decks of the ship, going into the ship, the smells, the the sights, you know, you that's where memories, for, oh, you know what really for me it was for me it, since I wasn't stationed, it was all boot camp. That's what came back to me. Oh, all really? the training. Oh, wow. oh yeah, battle stations, Marlins Pike, um, oh. general quarters, all of it. All of it was is just boot camp memories, just by the smell alone. And I sat there for a couple of seconds, and my wife was with me, and I just stopped as soon as I went inside. And we went into this, you know, little meeting room. Immediately, that smell—the smell of this ship—was just bright there, and just hit me. And I just stopped, and I was like, mm, <laughs> "This is going to be yeah. fun." So I could not wait. Oh. So we talked about Gettysburg mm -hmm. um, last night. Yep. How many times have you been there? If you've been there, where where do you investigate in Gettysburg? So Gettysburg, I've been there quite a few times ever since I was a kid. Uh, we took the school field trips down 
Um, I went down with a bunch of my friends just to go and, you know, scare each other during the holiday, you know, Halloween time. Uh, we've even played uh, hide and seek at Devil's Den. Um, but as far as the investigative side, I've been down there several times. And for me, I, the entire, like we, we spoke last night, it's not just Gettysburg itself. It's the outside area, too. Right. I, I've, I've done the tours, but I'm not a fan of those just because they're guided. I don't, I don't want to be guided through Gettysburg. I want Gettysburg to guide me. Mm -hmm. So typically what I do is uh, right by the Jenny Wade house, there is that nice big parking lot right by the museum. I will park on the street there and I'll just kind of see where I want to go. Typically to the cemetery to pay my respects. That's usually the first place I'll, I'll wander um, and just walk through. And if something catches my eye or if I get drawn to a headstone, um, Again, I have no gifts or abilities. It's just one of those things. I have shiny syndrome or ADHD. So I see something it's like, oh, but um, I'll go over, pay my respects, say thank you. Um, and I'll just let Gettysburg guide me. And mm -hmm. I and I always go down and learn something. And it's it's always a different feel. It's never the same. Now, this summer, uh, I do. We, we got to make a plan to meet up in Gettysburg. Oh, I absolutely. Place, I have some places that I like to take you, um, like the Suicide Bridge. That's oh place. yeah, and then you got Saks Cover Bridge, which is to me the most haunted area up in that area. But uh, what I like to do in Gettysburg is actually park the car, or if I'm at one of the hotels that are in the town, mm -hmm. just walk the town because you have to remember. That battle on the 1st of July, 1863, came through Gettysburg. Yep. So when there's no cars or trucks on the road at midnight, I mean, it's kind of creepy walking. Well, I'll sweeten this deal a little bit better for you, brother. So uh, as you know, I'm about an hour and a half, two hours away from Gettysburg. Um, right. You plan a weekend. I'll show you some of my local haunts. And some of my favorite places, um, including one where there is some uh, crystals and some uh, prospecting oh, cool. prospects. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Uh -huh. Dude, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. We're going to go gold prospecting, man. And uh, I'll, I'll take you to a couple areas that uh, we found even some cryptid activity. Um, uh, so I'll take you there, take you to some of my uh, local haunts, even an urban legend. And uh, we'll go hit up Gettysburg. Go ahead up Gettysburg, make a road trip, and we'll have some fun. Oh, hell yeah, we will. Now, be, okay, we're getting kind of close to uh, the end here of the show. Um, but crap already. I'd like to get, what's that? I said, holy crap, crap already. <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that's when, I don't know, I just have a fun time on my show. That's but I, <laughs> I got a good show. brother here to, to enjoy it. I mean, I, I'm telling you, Holly, everybody out there listening. I could actually probably stay up six, eight hours with this man and just start talking. Likewise. Likewise. But um, what is your opinion on cryptids? Well, the, I'll first start off by saying um, one of the lessons, and uh, that's something I teach. I teach ghost hunting lessons or investigating lessons uh, for these newer teams. Um, the one thing, the first thing I teach them is anything can, is possible. Anything in the paranormal is possible. Mm -hmm. um, now, we could go into theology and a couple other things, but nah. a lot of these, <laughs> oh, trust me, I could go for days, but um, <laughs> there's always some truth behind the stories. Right. So for me, like fays, fairies, they've been spoken about hundreds and thousands I, of years, forever. I believe in them. Yep, Bigfoot. Same thing, trolls, gnomes, um, they all start somewhere. There's always some sort of truth. So the possibility is out there. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, is like, we only know a fraction of our earth, just a fraction. We only know maybe 10% of our oceans. Right. So to say something like, let's say the Megalodon, could that be out there? Absolutely. Loch Ness, Nessie, absolutely. Right. There's still unexplored areas 
in you know the world you know forests mountain ranges pl places that we nobody's ever seen so the fact that something could be living there absolutely 100 percent. they're the, you know these cryptids they're not stupid and no, if you no. don't believe me think of think of deer if you're a deer hunter you know exactly what i'm talking about you see deer all the time until when hunting season all of a sudden the deer disappear you never see them right and deer run out in front of vehicles so uh, yeah think about it <laughs> there's always it's possible well i'm sad that this uh had to end so fast it was a good it's always good and i mean i'm we're gonna have some good relationship with oh yeah with my brother you know he's 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 awesome i want to thank <laughs> you for being on my show tonight thank um, you for having me if brother. somebody oh I, I, I'm just two nights in a row of some good uh, radio show. <laughs> it, it's the best. But um, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how, what, how to they, how can they find you? So uh, me personally, you can find me under Paranormal Consultant on Facebook. My logo is right behind me, so that's my logo. You can find me on Facebook, or you can go to uh, YouTube to Par or the Paracrew Podcast. Um, that's one of my shows. Or the best and easiest way, and honestly, the most fun way, because you get to learn about a lot more people, is go to Parapost Network Central on Facebook. Find me on there. You can find many others. Uh, you can also find me on Paralinks, the Paranormal United Network on Facebook, um, or the Paracrew Podcast on Facebook as well. Um, or um, one, of my, uh, one of my organizations that my wife and I run, it's called the Paranormal Partnership Program, or P3. We have a public page called P3 Family. It, the logo looks just like that. You can find me there um, amongst a bunch of other places. Um, my network and my community and honestly, my paranormal family has grown so much. Um, anybody up here, you say you can find me. Cool. Well, thank you again for being on my show. Please hang around for a little bit after. We'll talk a little bit more. Of course, but, brother. And, well, I want to thank everybody for joining uh, the show tonight. Um, it was a great show. And I will tell you a little bit, um, especially with my mental health issues that I have right now, um, they're doing, they're, they're okay today. That's Good. all I can tell you is that they're okay today. Good. But anybody out there, if you know anybody that's actually have some, you know, mental issues or whatever, Go and sit with them. You don't have to talk to them. Just go sit with them. Or, you know, give them a hug mm -hmm. and tell them they matter. And, and, it's, and it's true. And children, go to your parents. Give them a hug and tell them you love them. And parents, go to your children. Give them a hug and tell them I love you. And if you don't have no children, if you don't have no parents, okay, go to somebody who's close to you and give them a hug and tell them. Because those three words, I love you, go a long way. Mm. And on that note, happy hunting. Um, I'll see you next week. And good night.